following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. You know, it's a, a weird thing, and I've shared a little bit about this with you, but sometimes it's a weird thing to be the pastor and to come to church on Sunday. <laughs> um, I read an interview once with Gary Larson, who, who wrote and drew the comic strip The Far Side, maybe the greatest comic of all time. And uh, somebody had asked him, do you, do you ever laugh at your own jokes? And he says, I'm a little bit too close to the humor to be surprised by it. And so I can't really laugh at them. I can know that they're funny, <laughs> but I can't really laugh at them. And I, I feel the same way sometimes about preaching. I'm a little too close to the uh, joke to be inspired by it, <laughs> if you will. Now, if I have a moment of inspiration, it usually happens in the week during the preparation. Um, when I bring it to you, uh, it's, uh, you know, to be honest, it's, just, it's, it's the work of delivering that and trusting that the Spirit has been active and that it is continuing to be active in your hearts as you hear the words. But I am not too close to things like the music and the prayers to be inspired by them. And uh, that has happened so much for me this morning. The music has just kind of, these particular songs that Dave chose uh, have, uh, have sort of taken me apart in a certain way that I needed, I think. And um, the, the prayer that Autumn just led was the same kind of thing. So I am, um, I, I, I know I say this a lot, but I just want to keep saying I am so grateful to be in community with all of you because um, what, what all of you bring to this place on Sundays is, um, is just as important for me to receive as it is for you to receive um, anything that I might bring uh, to this place on a Sunday. Would you stand together for the reading of today's gospel passage. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. You can be seated. If you haven't already, would you open your Bibles and turn them to this passage? If you brought one with you, uh, that's wonderful. I really encourage you to own and use a Bible. It becomes familiar to you, even if it's 
digital, I would encourage you to do this. If you don't have one or didn't bring one with you, you can use one of the red Bibles and you need to turn to page 802 to find this particular text. We're going to use this, uh, we're going to get into the, the actual text in the Bible today, um, probably with a little bit more depth and intention than, than my, we might on an average week, which is why I've asked you to, to turn to it. Um, I don't always ask you to do that. First, I want to explain a little bit about where we're going and why. It has something to do, as it happens with what I said before I read that text. Um, it's, it's a little moment of honesty, perhaps, from me. As I have worked this week to prepare a message on Palm Sunday, I have personally been very frustrated. I've felt like I've been hitting a wall. Every time I've tried to engage with this passage, um, I haven't had any luck at all. <laughs> um, of course, this is one of those stories in the Bible that, that we encounter a lot, and um, perhaps pastors encounter it more directly and more regularly than, than even you do if you're a regular churchgoer. Because Palm Sunday is one of those things that comes around once a year whether you need it or not. Um, and uh, it's not like Advent or even the rest of Lent where the texts are true to the calendar but they change from year to year. The texts, the story at least, um, is the same every year at Palm Sunday. And... Uh, I've been thinking all week, trying to get some kind of fresh insight on this story, something to say uh, and talk about that I haven't already done, because I, I have a small capacity for repeating myself, <laughs> um, except about certain things, which I will prattle on endlessly about. Um, the story of Palm Sunday doesn't happen to be one of them. <laughs> but I haven't gotten any fresh insight, hardly anything at all, all week. It's been stale for me. And I think it's important to tell you that, because I think it's important that you know that, that pastors are no um, more immune to staleness in encountering the scriptures than anybody else. Um, and I want you to know that and to recognize it and to acknowledge it and hopefully continue to embrace me and support me in the way that you always have. Because here's the very, 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 very good news today. Um, I mean, not quite as good as the gospel good news, but it's good news that it is not about me and what I'm able to take from a text in a given week. Um, very, very little, I would venture to say almost nothing, depends on me. If something were to tragically happen to me this week, um, it would be a little bit of a struggle to find pulpit supply on Easter Sunday. Uh, and then there would be a period of time in which you would find somebody else to come and do this with you, and, and all of you would continue to love and, and uh, artisan church and worship here and, and all that stuff. So uh, I'm... I'm so grateful for you all, um, and I, I sometimes need to be reminded that it isn't about me, to be honest with you. Um, as Autumn was asking us to think about what we have learned during Lent, I think that's what, one of the things that I learned during Lent, <laughs> because I, um, I have been um, just buried in distraction throughout Lent for lots of different reasons, which it's unimportant to go into right now. I've shared some of those details with, with some of you. Um, lots of good things, a couple of challenging things um, that just have messed me up for weeks on end. And yet, your experience with God in this place on Sundays has been 
probably amplified and more profound than I have seen it be at Artisan in ages. People praying together and repenting and uh, standing in indication that something very real is going on in your spirit. And it's, the spirit has been moving in this place. And it must have nothing to do with me because I've been so out of my element for so long now. Um, so the good news is that it doesn't depend on me. Uh, and also the good news is that we are in community with one another and we all get to engage together in the work of loving and following Jesus. Um, our denomination loves to say we are better together. I think that's true. John Wesley said, no one can be a Christian alone. <laughs> and, and I would go in one further and say no one can be a pastor alone. Liturgy, we talk about a lot here at Artisan, even though we're, you know, we, we're not kind of smells and bells kind of liturgy for the most part. Um, that's an expression, I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's sort of like seminary and inside baseball, maybe. Sorry about that. But we're not the kind of liturgy that we don't have incense very often, and, you know, it's not, but it's liturgy. Liturgy just means the work of the people. It doesn't mean the work of the people who are standing eight inches higher than the rest of the people. It means the work of all the people. I stand eight inches higher than some of you, even when I'm down here. But, <laughs> um, I am actively trying to make that become more true for us, that liturgy would be the work of the people. And today, since this text is not fresh for me, and I feel like I have nothing to give you, good timing, isn't it? <laughs> um, about to have the holiest Sunday of the year. Um, I am so grateful to be in community because I'm going to try and, and guide us in a uh, a community reading of this story in a way that will allow us all to benefit from the fact that the Holy Spirit speaks to each and every one of us, each believer, each person who maybe hasn't even yet come to the place of belief. The Spirit can speak in and to and through you as well, not just those of us who are consecrated to pastoral ministry vocationally. It's a very Protestant Sunday here at Artisan Church, the priesthood of all believers. So the way we're going to do that is with one of our favorite types of devotional reading, something we do together about three or four times a year. And um, if you've been here for very long, you're familiar with this. You've done it with us before. It's something called Lectio Divina, which is a Latin phrase. which simply means sacred reading. If you've never done this before, I think you are in for a treat. If you have done it before, I still think you're in for a treat. Um, so what I would like to ask is for four people who would be willing to read. Didn't plan this ahead of time. If it doesn't work, I will just read. But I would like for four different voices to be reading this text this morning, because we're going to, Lexio Divina involves reading the text four times with four different intentions. All right? Yes, come on up. Um, and uh, yes, come on up. And I need two women as well, uh, Amy and uh, who's our other woman who will read today? Mel, there you are. All right. Did somebody, is somebody saying, oh, did somebody want to read? <laughs> Somebody's volunteering on someone else's behalf, which is not cool, dude. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Why don't you guys um, grab a chair? Because you can't all read at once. But you, want, you can be up here. It'd be good. So bring a chair somewhere, and we'll, we'll do this in turns. Okay. So here's what happens with Lexi Divina if this is new to you, um, or if you need a refresher on it. We read the text four different times. Now, if you're doing this on your own, um, you might, you might uh, 
read it for periods of time, four different periods of time. So for each reading, you might actually read it three or four times. But um, since time is uh, of the essence this morning, we will each we'll read, uh, read one, pass, one time through the passage for each type of reading. And uh, with each reading, you have a different uh, attitude and posture and perspective on the text. And the goal is um, for this to be both study of the Bible and prayer. It's, a, it's my favorite spiritual discipline because it, it kills two birds with one stone, right? If you are making a checkbox or a checklist of all of the spiritual things you're supposed to do in a day, I don't recommend this. It's very humbling. But if you were, you would have prayer on there and you'd have reading, and you could check them both off at the same time if you did Lexio Divina that day. It's very efficient. So the four readings... Um, are named, again, with Latin words. The first one is lectio. It simply means reading. I've read this story to you once, so you kind of know where it's going. But um, why don't we start with Amy? Is that okay? Amy will read the text in uh, just a minute. And here's what I'd like to ask you to do during this reading. Simply read for understanding or hear for understanding. If you're a visual person, please do follow along in your Bible. If you're an auditory person, please close the Bible and listen. But you're just trying to find what's happening in the story. Um, I would especially encourage you to look for a word or phrase that rises to the top a little bit. I often describe this as it kind of glows, which is maybe a little wacky to say it that way, but that's sort of how I experience it. As I'm reading through during the first reading, Lexio, um, a word or phrase will kind of rise to the top and glow and seem more important for some reason that day, okay? And my, my trusting is that the Holy Spirit is at work in you as that happens, all right? So while Amy reads, um, it's Matthew 21, 1 through 11. She'll read this text. Look for a word or a phrase that, that rises to the top or glows or stands out for you in some way or another. Go ahead, please, Amy. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. I'm going to let that sink in for just a minute. (laughs) 
I wonder if anybody would be willing to share out loud, here's where the work of the people comes in, which word or words, which phrase stood out for you as Amy read that passage this time? The Lord needs them. Me too, actually. Who else? Who is this? Yes, no. Humble. That one stood out for me a little bit as well. Yeah. Untie. No. Immediately. It's a great Bible word. Crowds that went ahead of him and that followed him. Thank you. Yes. To fulfill what has been spoken. It's almost like they have a richness when you stop on them, isn't it? But that they didn't have before. Go. Do you see what's happening here? We just had maybe six or eight people share. And with the exception of the ones that happened to also resonate with me, we didn't have anybody repeat anything. Um, this is why this is such a beautiful discipline because the Lord has something particular for you in this passage today. And it might be totally different from what he has for me or for Amy or for anybody else in the room. And everybody is allowed to engage in this and everybody is um, capable of experiencing God in this way. So let us move now to the second reading um, Meditatio. <laughs> Obviously, we get the English word meditation from this root. I'm going to go to a male reader next. Um, and uh, so you might think about meditation, but it's probably <clears throat> helpful to think, um, think about this with a visual that I often suggest here. There's a, this is a, this is a um, linguistically appropriate visual. Etymologically, it works. Think of a cow chewing its cud. Right? I'm, very, I'm serious. This is, where, this is what ruminate on the text. Right? That's where that word comes from. Uh, so you're turning it over and over and over and over and over and feeling it from different angles. Right? You're looking at it from different directions. You're hearing it in different voices. Okay. You're trying to think perhaps about what that word or phrase that you encountered in the first reading might have to mean for you today. Why did that word or phrase glow? Why did it rise to the top? Why did it stand out for you? I don't know. Maybe you don't know. As we read it the second time, those are the questions that you should be turning over in your mind. Okay? So go ahead, Tim, please. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble, and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. 
they brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. I'll give you just a minute to keep turning that over. So this second stage is a little bit more intimate than the first one, and so I'm asking perhaps for a little bit more bravery from you when I ask you, would you share what your experience was in this meditatio stage of reading? Um, did, Did you gain any insight? Did that word or phrase, whatever it might have been for you, come alive in a new way? Did you see something that you hadn't ever noticed before in this story, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So noticing that there's people who go ahead and people who go behind and wondering what types of people would be ahead and what types of people would be behind. That's a wonderful question that you ask in the godly play class of the children. I wonder who you are in the story. <laughs> we would do well to ask that of ourselves more often. Joel, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That is a neat contrast. So the people laying down the blank, uh, the blankets, the um, like cloaks and and uh, palm branches, gives this vision of the red carpet, kind of a paparazzi thing, maybe, um, um, but a, like an award show red carpet for a movie star, and then he's humble on a donkey. That's a, a contrast that's present in the in the passage that you saw. Thank you for sharing that, Marielle. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting questions. So um, it's Marielle saying she realized that it's not actually Jesus who's saying this is to fulfill what the prophet said. It's actually the author uh, editorializing there a little bit, and the question she's kind of turning over is. 
how aware of that were they in the moment? Did they make the realization later? Was it obvious to them at the time? Did everybody say that? Did one person say it? Was there an argument? Thank you. That's a, a, a very interesting set of questions. Yes, Ian. Mm. <laughs> yes, very interesting. So he, he, if I'm hearing you right, you're saying there's a, uh, a seeming, it's an odd juxtaposition that he says you will find the cult immediately, but someone may or may not ask you about it. If somebody asks you about it, this is how you should respond. And it opens up all kinds of very fascinating questions about free will and divine foreknowledge and... Um, the uh, hypostatic union and all kinds of other <laughs> theology dork things. So, thank you. You, you your, your inner theology dork just blesses all of us. Uh, well, I'd like to hear from Brian and then Aubrey, and then we'll move on to the third reading, okay? Yeah. <laughs> How did he ride both a donkey and a colt? Do you have an answer to that question, Brenda? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was kind of an action hero moment, maybe. A, a, two sets of reins, one foot on each animal. Yeah. <laughs> but thank, thank you for that insight, Brenda, and thank you for the question. I think it's a, I mean, reading the text plainly, it's a, the question is there. Yes, Aubrey. Hmm. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Oh, I bet you would. You're a bold person. <laughs> yeah, it's an... I mean, that's... I, I've talked about that before in past sermons. I, it, it always strikes me that he says, essentially, go steal a donkey. <laughs> you know... Um, and in and, and today's yeah we're on a mission from God and in today's a, a, an, an, the analogous thing today would be going and finding a car with the keys in it and, and driving it away and saying the Lord needs it if anybody asks you why are you stealing my car so thank you uh, and it, it does ask the question would I be bold enough to, to obey Jesus' command in that moment that's a difficult one yes Brenda yeah right that's on faith Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure did. Yes. Thank you. Excellent observation. All right, we should move on to the third reading, um, which in Latin is oratio. Anybody know what oratio means in in English? It's prayer. Right. Um, the the uh, Latin motto of my. Uh, liberal arts Christian college is ora et labora, pray and work. Um, So in this reading, I'm going to ask you to make a prayer 
from the text and through the text, and maybe in and around the text. Now, remember that prayer ought to be a two-way street. So for you, you may have questions of God. You may have concerns that you would like to bring to God. That's okay. You may also feel led simply to listen for God's word to you through this text. A listening prayer would be very appropriate sometimes. Whatever it is, and it sometimes is both, um, make this third reading a prayer, as Mel reads. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble, and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them that followed and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. give you just a minute to finish up your prayer. So this third reading is more intimate still. And uh, it may be that not as many people would like to share here, but we're doing the work of the people here together. And it would be a blessing to others if you are willing to share what your prayer was in that third reading of this text this morning. Tony. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Um, it was so beautifully said, I don't even want to try to re- recapture it or rephrase it, and I apologize to anybody who's listening on the podcast. I hope that you in the room were able to hear that. Dan. Yes, thank you. Asking for humbleness uh, and that your whole life would be in service of Jesus, just as the people laying their cloaks were doing it in service of Jesus. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, 
Thank you so much. Her word was turmoil, and her prayer was that Jesus would enter into our moments of turmoil and her moments of turmoil. Thank you for sharing that. Jolene. Hmm. Yes, so prayer that you would recognize when the Lord needs something from you, which is kind of a bizarre thing to say when you think about it, <laughs> and then the courage to act on that. I wonder, did anybody have a prayer that was more of a listening prayer? That's probably even more intimate, and, and it's okay if you don't want to share, but if you heard, you feel like you heard something. My word was look. Look, okay. So the word was look, and the, you know, took it as an instruction. No, it did. Stop and look. Yes, Sarah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, untie them. Cool. Thank you. Well, um, was there anybody else who wanted to? Okay. Yes, and it's okay. Yeah. Thank you. So the word Hosanna, having risen to the top and understanding that that word doesn't mean quite exactly praise God the way that hallelujah might mean. It more means rescue us, save us, be our savior, and realizing that it was a hope that they were clinging to and that in our world we, we need to cling to and pray for hope. Thank you. A beautiful thing to share. Yes, one more and then we'll move on. Mark. <coughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Thank you. So Mark was talking about the... <coughs> the crowds that went before and the crowds that came behind and, and the prayer was, help me to know when I should be going before and blazing trails and being out ahead of you and when I should fall back and follow behind and, and go to a place that I already see you going to or, or already are at. You know, this is, this before, the crowds ahead and before thing has come up several times this morning and all the times I try to think through this passage this week, it never struck me even once, I don't think. 
to look at that phrase. This is why I love being in community with you people. It's so wonderful. <laughs> okay, our final reading um, is in some ways the trickiest one and perhaps hardest to understand. So let me just try to explain it. It's contemplatio, which obviously means contemplation. It's designed to be a reading in rest, right? What you have done in these first three readings has been, to some degree or another, work. It's been a challenge. It's been active. You've been trying to do something, trying to at least become aware of something that God is doing. Um, The contemplatio reading, the final reading, really you're supposed to just sit back under the tree in the meadow on the sunny, breezy day and rest in the text, right? Uh, And you will... This happens all throughout the the stages of Lectio Divina, but especially in this one, you will find yourself getting up. Oh, no, I need to contemplate some more, or I need to meditate some more, I need to ruminate, or I need to pray, I need to finish off what I was praying before. I need to understand better. I need to do more work in this text. No, stop. Forgive yourself. Don't beat yourself up, but sit back down under the tree, okay? Simply be with God in this moment, in this text, in this reading. Ken. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage, the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this. The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Save us, son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet, Jesus, from Nazareth in Galilee. I'll give you just a minute to finish up your contemplation. So this one is not quite as intimate as some of the others, but it's a little bit more amorphous and hard to understand. But in just maybe two and a half minutes, time for one or two people to share. Did you have any kind of interesting experience uh, during the contemplatio reading this morning? Del? That is something you can sit under a tree and contemplate. Who is Jesus? Yes, absolutely. Who is this? Thank you. Dan. Um, something that sort of I've seen about the Alpha 
Yeah, thank you, thank you. So in this last stage, sometimes everything comes together. It sounds like that's what happened for you. Um, this somewhat perhaps confusing to this point process just clicks. It doesn't happen every time, and it's not a promise. Um, and you shouldn't enter into Lexa Divina expecting that you're going to have some great revelation in the last moment. Um, sometimes the last moment is simply about resting despite the fact that nothing has been solved and nothing has been settled in the, in the passage for you. And, and still, yet, you rest in him. Um, well, thank you so much to the four of you for reading. It's really wonderful when we can do this and actually hear four different voices reading the four different things. Um, thank you to all of you who shared and all of you who participated. Once again, it's a blessing for me to be in community with you. Uh, and you added so much to, to what this day was for me and for uh, everybody else in the room. So thank you. Uh, and I invite you now to continue those acts of community at the communion table. Come and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken, given for you, for the forgiveness of sins. May it be uh, truly a unifying sacrament for us this morning. Uh, the table is open to all who are seeking to follow Jesus in this place, and we will continue to sing uh, and worship together as we take communion. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.